Hello, beautiful people. In today's episode, I got the pleasure of speaking to Daniel Bork. And Daniel is a guy who makes YouTube videos and writes about the crossover of health, technology, and art on his website, MrDBork.com. He's the machine learning instructor for the Zero to Mastery Academy, and he has over 65,000 subscribers on YouTube, and his videos help people learn better and live healthier. His slogan is Eat, Move, Learn, Make, and this is the first time we've ever spoke, but weirdly it seemed like we'd been friends for a long time because of the way the internet works, where I've been reading his thoughts, he's been reading my thoughts, and together it made an incredible conversation. This episode is brought to you by Tuesday Treasure, and this is my weekly newsletter where I find and compile the coolest things I I see every every week, and it's a simple, informative, quick newsletter. It leaves you with more energy after reading it than you had before, and people enjoy it because it adds value to their life, and it's very easily consumable. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you could find that at dannymiranda.com slash Tuesday. And now, without further ado, let's get to it. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. Well, let's just get to it and and, uh, and start it off. So too easy. Yeah. What, bro, what, first of all, what does too easy mean? You've said that like seven times and... I'm like, I've never heard this phrase oh, once. You're, gonna, you're probably going to hear a lot of Australian lingo throughout this. Um, how do I explain this? Too easy. It just means it's, it's like a version of all good kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, or like it makes whatever, sense. Whatever, yeah, whatever we're doing is, is, is easy, so it's like we don't have to worry. Dude, I feel like Australians are just so much more relaxed and so much calmer. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, um, Americans are so uh, uptight, it feels like sometimes. Man, truth be told, I've been to the US like a couple of times and that's the exact vibe that I've got too. <laughs> I was like, like when we go to, um, wait, actually, where are you from? I'm from New York, but I lived in San Diego for the past year. So oh, nice. I, I'm more on your wavelength than, than the New York one, but it's all good. Yeah, man. Well, that's what I noticed when I when I went over to the US. Um, like we'd be do, getting ready for an event or something like that, and there'd be guys there like, "Yeah, we gotta go, we gotta go, we're gonna be late, man. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> gotta get the run." And and me and my Australian friend is actually my godfather. We were over there, and we were just like, "Well, man, just take it easy. We'll 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 figure it out. Like worst case, we miss this car ride, we'll get the next one, or we can walk." And they're like, "What?" What are you talking about? We've got to get there, man. I'm like, no, it's okay. Just chill. Yeah. And they did not like the fact that we were chill. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy when you're just like, when you are just like a calm person, it it like kind of pisses people off who aren't calm. But uh, Yes. <laughs> I get yeah. that a lot with my little brother. My little brother's like straight edge, like up and down has to be like, on the clock all the time, whatever, and I'm kind of like head in the clouds. So we uh, we uh, we balance each other pretty well. <laughs> but what's crazy, dude, is you're head in the clouds, but you're 
you've produced so much amazing content over the past, <laughs> uh, you know, like three years. Like, how have you done that? How have you like managed that calm attitude with also just like being consistent and and quote unquote grinding? Like, how have you managed that balance? <laughs> um. Yeah, you're kind of right. Actually, there is a lot of crap that I put out there. Some of it's good, but um, um, it's look when I say like head in the clouds, like it's a it's a balance, right? So it's like a lot of the time I'm like cheering around, like we are now, like just chilling out, having a conversation or whatever. But then when it comes to like doing what I need to do, like uh, I kind of spent the last if you could, if I spent the last three years getting good at anything, it's getting good at doing just one thing. So it's like if I need to do something, it's like that's that's all I'm doing for the next four hours until it's done. So whether that goes for writing or making a video or coding something up or making materials, it's just zoned in four good hours a day. That, that seems to be my going rate and uh, that, that seems to be enough sometimes. <laughs> and so whatever happens in there, that, that that's what usually gets published. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy because... I found your stuff, I don't even know how, whether it be like through a mention that you mentioned me or or I sent you a message and then I was like, oh my God, this dude's stuff is amazing. But like, dude, your writing is is incredible to me. And, <laughs> and I, I really mean that. And it's like, the, what I love about it so much is just the honesty and authenticity of it. It feels like it feels like you're my boy, you know, it feels like we're, we're, we're friends and you're writing and, and just giving me access to your diary and just like telling me interesting things and cool things. So like, how did you get to that point of where it's just like a conversational style? Um, yeah, well, that's, I like what you just said, actually, that's kind of what I want it to be is um, like, so I, I never used to, like I got turned off reading in school um just because it like you had to basically the teacher would say you need to read this you need to read that and then I got turned off writing in university because it was like you need to write this essay it needs to be a thousand words and you need to have a reference for basically anything you say and I'm just like wow this is boring Mm -hmm. um but then uh I started a couple of years ago I just started like writing frantically it was after I breaking up with my with a girlfriend and I was basically heartbroken just trying to figure out what the hell this feeling was because outside like my, my energy is if any, if you ever asked me or ask someone else, sorry, who knows me is just like this ball of energy just moving through space. But then I was like, Oh, I'm kind of having to put this on at the moment because inside I'm feeling like shit. Um, and then I just started journaling like every day, basically right. Typing into a, a website called 750 words and I'm like, you know what? This is pretty fun. Like the first like month or so of doing it, it was like, who am I to be having these thoughts and putting them on paper? And then I sort of got into it. I'm like, you know what? This is fun. And then so I fell back in love with writing. I fell back in love with reading because I was reading just just ways to feel better basically. And all it was was just heartbreak, simple thing. Um, and uh, I was like, you know what? This is I was getting back like the when I was a kid, I remember being 12 and like reading like 10 books in a day or something like that and just feeling awesome. I was getting back that feeling. I'm like, wow, this is this is cool. It's fun when you don't have to when you don't have a criteria to read or write. You're just sort of following your own interest. And then I just decided, you know what? 
I've done enough of this this reading and and whatnot of other people's posts and whatever. So I'm going to start putting my own out there. And then I the single criteria, and I still have it to this day, is like, would I like to read this or would I like to watch this? And then that's that's all it is. So if I'm I'm reading back on my own work, and I'm like, oh, does this sound like a lawyer would write this? I'll then I delete it and and make it sound better. <laughs> well, at least to me. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I I loved about you. You had a something in one of your posts where it was like, if GPT three could write this, then I don't want to publish it, and we'll get yeah. more into GPT later. GPT three later because you have some experience with data science and all that great stuff, and a lot of experience at that. But just like you, just your mindset was like, all right, I want it to be weird. I want it to be so out there. I want it to be interesting so much so that a a data processing system and writing machine couldn't write it. I thought that was very yeah. interesting. Man, that's, well, that's it, exactly it. Like, so if I, I want it to be like, as if literally like we were having a conversation like right now. And I, I know there's a, there's a style, like that's just the Frankly, that's just the writing that I like to read. Like if someone like, um, so it's kind of a conversation like we're having now is kind of almost all over the place. It's like a stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I understand there's a time and a place for like having structured writing and whatnot. But I just find it, first of all, fun to read because it kind of flows um, naturally. It's like a dance. And then it's fun to write because you're not kind of, you're just, you're just letting your thoughts flow as they are and then typing them into a keyboard as you go. Um, so that's that's really all that I'm trying to do. And it's kind of – I like to hmm, – I like to try and keep it as uh, close to the exact truth as possible. I mean you have some crazy thoughts and if ever went down <laughs> on paper, most of us would probably end up locked up. But it's like – people are people are having like people are people man we have these thoughts like we want to we want to know like we don't just want to read like this the the suit talk and all that sort of stuff like why do why do people skip terms and conditions because it's just like i can't like i look at a paragraph in terms and conditions and be like what the hell like how i gonna this is like chinese to me even though i know that it's in it's in english mm-hmm. um and so and frankly i like I get kind of obsessed with it. Like I'll, I'll read it and like someone will send me something and I'll read theirs and I kind of like, I obviously want to like put my own input in, but it's especially like if someone's sending me a draft or something like that, I don't want to be too uh, aggressive with it, but it's, um, I don't know. That's, that's, uh, it's one of my favorite activities, man. Writing and just, just being, a, I don't find anything more beautiful than a well-crafted sentence, mm. maybe a sunset or a sunrise, but a well-crafted sentence is, uh, is whew, good to look at. <laughs> so, so when did you get started with just writing in general? Because, um, y- yeah, it's actually a very succinct date. I think it was September twenty one, two thousand and sixteen. Um, Almost or maybe four years yeah. ago, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe, maybe I'm just getting uh, confused with the recency bias that two days ago was September twenty one. <laughs> anyway, it was. I think it was twenty one of something. But it was definitely mid-2016 or mid to late-2016. Um, and then, yeah, I just decided, you know what, I'd spent, um, uh, I'd spent too much time like consuming just information on the internet. It's like it's time to, to shift that balance, you know. 
Yeah. I've uh, I've read enough stuff online. I've browsed enough Facebook, Instagram, and just sat up in bed, like scrolling through an infinite scroll. I'm just like, I just got tired of my own bullshit. Just like thinking mm-hmm. that, you know what? I could make these things and then not actually doing it. Um, and so like then I've got like a post on my blog. Like today I started my blog. <laughs> and then it kind of just, it just went on from there. And it's, it's hard to think, man, because it feels like, um, it feels like longer than four years, but when you put it in perspective, it's like, wow, I was at university for longer than that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it was about 2016 where I completely just went, you know what, I've, I'm going to reshift my balance from being a consumer to being a creator. And mm-hmm. whatever that takes, I'm not sure, like I'll just figure it out. But basically, it was just a simple equation. It's just like, am I spending as much time making things as I am consuming things. And when I asked myself that question four years ago, it was no. And now I would say I've got the the balance probably in the right order for me, as in I probably create more than I consume these days. Um, and I, I like it that way at the moment. Who knows? It might change. But I think for the time being, it'll it'll keep going in that direction. I love it, bro, because it's like, your story and your honesty about your story resonates so much with me and it's amazing how you make that decision and you, you know, like you're in that place of consuming and when I was in that place of consuming every day, it's like, it, it doesn't feel the same as when you're creating every day. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a difference in your soul, at least for me personally, that just like it res, it, it, exudes to everything I do now like oh I'm a creator I create things we're creating with this conversation right and it's a false belief to think that you whoever's listening to this is not a creator because as a person you are inherently a creative being and and you are inherently a creator so yeah man I'm just really inspired by just the way your journey so far yeah well it's it's or oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but it's, it's yeah. It's it's once you, I mean, once you flick the switch, everything like you look at the world. It's kind of like a different filter on the world. Like I remember like thinking, like back a couple of years ago, like wow, I can't wait to get some time off to to browse my phone to keep going through social media. Like I take a break at work or whatever and be like, yes, finally I get that dopamine hit of scrolling through Facebook feed of seeing posts of people I never talked to. Um, but now it's like, oh, okay. Now I look at the world and go, wow, that's uh, I, I'll walk, I'll walk past someone and they'll, they'll like throw off an off remark or something like that. They'll be talking to someone else and it'll be a cool saying or something like that. And uh, I'll be like, you know what? I'm gonna pocket that and I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that in one of my articles sometime. It's <laughs> mm, great. You look at the world in a different way. Absolutely. And so you started your writing journey in, in 2016. And then you you said to yourself, I believe three years ago, you said to yourself in 2017, okay, now I'm going to be a data scientist and I've never been a data scientist before, right? So, <laughs> so tell me like why data science in particular and like what you were thinking when you were creating your journey and documenting your journey. Um, so the story was – I was working well, so I've always been a nerd. Like I grew up a um, like tech nerd, always into video games, always into the latest and greatest um, technology. Still am, 
Um, and I was, at the time, I was working at Apple, like at the retail store, like um, as, as a genius at Apple. So one of those guys who, uh, who fixes your computer, like when you come in and whatever. But I never, truth be told, I never really, uh, I, I much preferred like talking to people as they came in. So this is probably counter argument to my own journey right now. But uh, I much preferred talking to different customers than uh, like going down into the dungeon. We had this little like basement repair room with all the hardware that was there. And we came, it came to a point like one day as well, I was like getting excited. There was, we were launching some new product or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'm sick of like shucking this stuff and not knowing like how it works internally. I want to start making it uh, as in like, rather than like repairing it hands-on, like I want to start writing the code that these things are running and build applications and whatnot. Um, and before that, like I, I tried to learn to code like a couple of times, um, but just failed because when it got hard, I just gave up. And then, um, so I left Apple and me and a few friends, we were like had the idea. We wanted to, to build a website, basically the Airbnb of gyms because we had this problem Every time we tried to work out, because we lived on different sides of town um, together, like he'd be at one gym, I'd be at another gym, and then we'd try to go in, and we'd be like, oh, you need to sign all this paperwork, and yada, 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 we need give us your phone number. I'm like, this just is a pain in the ass every single time we have to come in here. And so our idea was, wouldn't it be great if we just had a little simple website you could go to, and you're like, oh, there's Gym X. I'd like to take a one pass to that place pay your $10 or $15 or whatever it was, and then boom, you can just walk in. You have a QR code or something like that on your phone. And so we thought this was an, a, an incredible idea, and we started building a website and whatever. And then we went around and actually, oh, so while we're building the website, we, we're learning to code along the way. And then we went to the, the gyms, and we realized, oh, you know what? Um, we've got this great, great little application. Would you like to use it? And they said no, and we're like, what and they're like we got to talking with a few of the managers of different gyms and they're like hey um guys i know you're trying to get more people in the door and your your service seems great but like he, he was really honest with us he's like our business depends on people not showing up and we were like <laughs> oh <laughs> like so that, like the average gym like one that we talked to had like something like three thousand paying members uh but only 200 would show up at least once a week <laughs> Wow! so yeah exactly so our whole thing of trying to get more people in the door just completely didn't work against how their business model actually works so there's something to be said about gyms there anyway um so that idea kind of failed once we realized you know what this is not going to work unless we have gyms like we can have plenty of customers like from the consumer side but it won't work unless we, we can give them access to the gyms um, so that kind of fizzled out because he he had to do his own thing and I was sort of uh, I, I didn't have a job I was living off savings so I kind of had all all the time in the world and while I was researching different technologies to build this website um, all I could hear about was like machine learning and artificial intelligence and I'm like wow this sounds pretty cool so I researched a bit more and um, and data science and whatnot and then I was like. I kind of got into it and I was like, whoa, so you're telling me that you feed a computer a lot of data and it figures out the patterns in itself on its own and you don't have to write all this code that I'm kind of writing to build this website. And 
I kept looking into it more and it turns out that's kind of the basic premise of, of what data science and machine learning is. I'm like, whoa, that's, uh, that's pretty cool because me built, designing this website is pretty tedious. So I'd rather just let the computer do all the things for me. And so I just went online, found another online course, and there was this really charismatic individual who was selling it to me basically, and I signed up and uh, got a little scared because two weeks out, I, I, when I signed up, I didn't read the prerequisites, and it's like, oh, you need X amount of like six months experience in this coding language, and I'd never used that coding language. And so I'm like, oh, crap, this was a $1,300 online course for the next six months, and I don't have any experience doing any of the things that they're going to be teaching. Um, so I, and I only had like $6,000 or something in savings for the next, until I got a job basically. So that was a large amount of money for me. It still kind of is. I mean, $1,300 for any kind of learning resource. Anyway, cut a, a short story long. Um, I emailed the support team and said, hey, what's your refund policy? They're like, well, you can refund up to two weeks before the course. And I decided, you know what, I've got, uh, I've got nothing else on. I'm going to just learn everything I need to as I, as I go. And because I'd already been to university, I kind of – the best thing I took away from university was learning how to learn. So I kind of um, like backed my own ability to be able to figure things out. And so I said, well, worst case – I figure things out along the way. I just send some emails saying, hey, this is why my assignment's late, et cetera, and, and I'll figure it out along the way. And so I did that, and it got pretty lonely because I was studying basically in my bedroom the whole time. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start writing about this stuff online and see if there are any other nerds out there like me studying in their bedrooms. <laughs> and it, uh, it, turned out, it turned out that... that there was um, because, I mean, the last few years, online learning is just growing, especially in the last probably six to nine months. Um, and uh, I just kept going from there. And I figured, you know what, this is going to be a form of both accountability for me and a way to, to just meet other people and a way to uh, share and practice the things that I've learned. So if I can create materials about the things that I'm learning, well, that's going to help me figure out all this new stuff. Um, and so that basically that one course turned into a few more, turned into getting a job, turned into leaving that job, turned into creating my own course to teach the people that were asking or to answer the question that I got asked the most often and I still do. I want to learn machine learning. Where do I start? Um, and so basically that, that kind of, if you put that timeline together, that ends up into three years and now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's an incredible story. And, and it, just, it just brings me so much joy because I just, it's like you just put yourself into something. You do it enough. You do it long enough. You help people. You act with pure intent and like great things happen. You touch, you on the beginning of that story, you you said something that stuck out to me, which was you had tried to code before, but you quit because it got too hard. But obviously, this point, the time that you ended up sticking it through, you didn't quit. So what was the difference between when you tried to quit and when you didn't? Oh, 
So this is yeah, this is probably the third or fourth time that like I actually sat down and went, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in time now. Um, I think the the main difference was, and see, this is probably my memory failing me, probably generating a nice narrative around it. Um, I think that the real main difference was I kind of had no other option this time. Like I didn't, I didn't have a job. I was living off savings, living like living with my parents. Um, and so it was really, it was like, well, what else are you going to do, Daniel? Like kind of thing. It's like, well, you could just sit around and, and watch discovery channel all day or play, play video games, or you can actually learn this skill that you you've said to yourself the past few years that you you've wanted to learn. Um, whereas the previous times are kind of, I remember there was one time me and my friend Dave, um, we were like, I was at university, he was working a full-time job. And so he would come over, uh, after work and we'd sit down at nights and we'd do it. And that lasted probably maybe a month at max or whatever. And we were trying to, trying to learn to code together because, because it was just something that we were both interested in. And then it kind of fizzled out. And then there was another time where I'd go through online tutorials and whatnot. And that was, that lasted about a month. But then other things came up. Like I had, I think it was maybe university assignments or something like that. And yada, yada, yada. And there was, there was always just something in the way. But this time it was seriously like I had, like I had nothing else to do. And it's kind of, it's a kind of like red thread that, uh, that I've, that I've noticed in what I've been doing the last couple of years is that rarely, does do I function well when I've got like six things on at one time? So it's like um, I'm working on a fairly large project at the moment and I'm kind of excited that I've like written everything else off um, except talking to awesome people like yourself and ex- <laughs> except for this project. And so it's like that's that's all that I'm like thinking, breathing, eating. It's just, just what what I'm working on at the moment. And so – yeah, I think there's no real secret to it. Like that was just, I, I was unemployed. Um, I had to, I had this skill that I'd been wanting to learn telling me, telling myself this story for a, probably almost five to six years um, or longer maybe. And I was just like, are you going to, are you going to actually do it? Or is it going to be like that thing that you just talked about? Um for x amount of years and just never acted on it and so it kind of that was kind of it and then also I'd, I'd like at this point like when i was like a few months into it i'd like published um an article basically saying this is my uh this is what i'm doing this is my self-created ai master's degree um and that was all in public and that kind of even though there was probably uh, like maybe zero I, I usually treat most things as like having zero viewers but i kind of considered like well this is in public now and so I'm, i need to <laughs> i'm gonna be look like a spectacular failure if i don't live up to this <laughs> there's there's a certain level of skin in the game that you're taking when you're publishing under your own name and you're saying this is what i'm doing this is what i'm going to do like i said to everyone now like i'm publishing podcasts monday wednesday friday and I'm posting twice on my blog <laughs> on Monday and Thursday. And if I don't do that, like there's a certain level of public accountability there. So yeah. it's it's very important to like like even if no one is listening, 
you're putting that out there. You're making a statement under your own name and that's valuable. And so for anyone listening, trying to do something like make a statement under your own name, it's different than acting anonymously or under a different name. Like when your name is attached to it, like at least the way I look at it, when your name is attached to it, you want everything you put out to be the highest quality. So, yeah. Oh, yes. I, I respect – I have the utmost respect for people who stand by their creations, their own name. That's a that's – what is it? The honor, what can you say, for lack of a better word, or honor, respect. Because, you, you, yeah, it's easy – it's easy – it's easy to be anonymous online. And I, I do, I do understand there's like places for that, like having a stage name or something like that. Um, but yeah, being able to put your name on your own creations and a date being a date certainty, date certainty. That's, uh, that's also, I applaud you for that. The Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the, the Tuesday, Thursday, having a date certainty. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I don't really have date certainties. I, I promise people that think more things will be out there, but, uh, who knows when? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you did publish every day for 500 plus days on your website, right? Oh, like, yeah. So so that is date certainty. That's like the extreme level of what I'm talking about. And that's when you see someone who does that and you're like, oh, like, like I see someone who does it. I'm like, oh, my God. Like I see eye to eye with them. Like I know they're already like on the same page as me because – you're building a skill, you're doing it in public, you're doing it every day. And if you want to get better at something, just do it every day, man. Like it's that easy. And yeah, yeah. man, huge Simple. respect and huge ups for that. Like talk to me about that journey. Like 500 plus days of writing every single day on your website. What is that like? Yeah, well that was I figured I was going to be writing I usually write every day. Like my two favorite activities in life are fighting and writing. Um, so like writing code or writing words, whichever it may be. Um, but I was, I was writing the, so I, I have a little tradition that's every, every like birthday I'll write like what a listicle that's flavored in, uh, in the year that I turn. So like 25, I'll write 25 points about whatever. And so the 25 article was, um, 25 things I'm going to do before I'm 26. And so one of them Maybe it was number 21 or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, I'm thinking of the number 21 a lot. Oh, maybe that's a trend or something. Anyway, I don't know what number it was, but there was one of them that was uh, write a blog post every day for a year, and that was going to be number one. Um, so that started September 1st, uh, 2018, and then I just all, – all it was was it was just – a single blog post every single day, no questions asked on whatever whatever I was thinking, basically. And then it turned into I got to the year mark, um, and so there were times where I think I almost missed like one day, like I was like I like actually missed one day, whereas in I was it was like eleven fifty four, and I was going to bed. I think I had like just a lot on that day or something, and just I mean no excuses, but, uh, and then I like got into bed and I like, I like sat up and I sat up like scared. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm like, <laughs> I've missed this. I didn't write an article today. And so I like, I was tired as tired as hell, pulled out my laptop and then just started punching away and posted it like 1204 or something like that. Counter. Um, huh? Yeah, exactly. 
um, I seriously remember sitting up like it's it's funny those moments like you know when you wake up late or something for and you realize that oh I've got something and it's like waking up isn't even a thing like you, that's how I want to like wake up every morning is is just get out of bed and there's just there's something on like immediately um, and but yeah and so what it was was like most of the time it would be because I, I I write in a journal almost every day would be like a post would evolve around like the gibberish that I would put into the journal or if I was reading a book or something like that and my thoughts were were hovering around that book, I would try and figure out what, turn that book into my own words and then publish that. And then it kind of got like to like just as well as like stories of, of me interacting with people and um and then it got to the year mark and I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep going. And so I did keep going and it ended up being 528 days um, until I hit hit that. And some days I'd be like, you know what, I don't really feel like publishing. And I was just like, nope, I've said this, uh, I'm going to publish an article um, and just ignored that voice. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. It's just like, why are you trying to self-sabotage yourself? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so it's like having this argument in my head. Um and then there'd be times like people would ask me questions and I'd turn that into a blog post of some sort. So there's, there's, I mean, there's limitless amounts of things that you can create. But then I got to 528 days and I'm like, you know what, I've got a, I've got a larger writing project that I'm working on. Um, I want to finish. So I'm writing like a novel at the moment. I'm like, I want to finish this and I, wanted, I want to not be, have my, like, have my self spread across too many different things. So I took the approach, you know what, I'm going to cut this off at 528. We've had a good run. It's been an amazing amount of fun. And I'm going to finish off this other writing project that I've kind of been half-arsing because I've had to publish a blog post every day. Um, and so now all of my writing energy goes towards that. I love it. I love it because it's thoughtful, mm. right? Like you're, you're saying to yourself, okay, like this project served me writing every day. And now I'm going to take that energy and the things that I've learned from doing that and bring it to a new avenue, a new new project. And that's awesome. And so your novel was actually something that I wanted to talk to you about because it's just like you've you've now written – most of your work, I would say, on, on your blog is nonfiction. And what is the transition like to now go into fiction? Is that something you've done before? Is that – Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, even though my posts are like a lot of them are nonfiction themed, like there's, there's a fair few that are like just story themed as well. Like one of my articles that kind of went, I don't know, lack of a better word, viral on Medium was um, like a listicle type article, but it was written in narrative form. So like, it was like how I, uh, study during the day but it was like kind of a a journey like five tips to, to to better learn throughout to better learn something but it was like from waking up in the morning to to going to bed at night um and so i kind of that's the kind of we spoke about this before but that's the kind of writing that i like to read that are like narrative but with like f- f- philosophy built in so there's some there's some saying out there about novels being um Novels being, oh, I can't remember, but for I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it's something along the lines of 
novels just being a story around someone's personal philosophies or something like that Mm -hmm. or built in by that. I think it was Camus or something like that. He said that. Anyway, um, but, yeah, that's the kind of – when I read books, I like to read um, not too much science fiction but as in like just the story of like a regular person – but they've, they've just written about their life. So if you imagine it, if you've ever heard of Charles Bukowski, Hunter S. Thompson, John Fante, Amy Hempel, like they're all, they're all of my favorite, favorite writers. I'm just like, my bookshelf isn't in my room at the moment, but I'm just trying to mentally walk through it. Celine, um, Henry Miller. So James Frey. Yeah. So they're all my favorite authors and they're kind of the the common theme of them is is they're just writing about day-to-day life and so that's what my novel is is it's a kind of coming of age story mixed in with a little bit of nerdy stuff because I mean I am a I'm a machine learning engineer so so it's got some of that in there and then it's just got it's got a it's got a few things that are kind of uh pure fiction but then most of it is just just based off pure experience. Like I'd be sitting in a meeting in in a tech job, and this is what this is what it's like <laughs> in narrative form. So I'm giving away too many spoilers. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's I would say it's the same kind of experience. It's uh, in terms of writing. Like I find it actually wrote itself. Like as in when I say that it's. Um, there was not a single time where I faced like writer's block or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just a stream of consciousness out. I read it. I, the first draft was um, completely longhand. So uh, I've got about six or seven notepads somewhere in this room and that are just filled with, with handwriting. I just sit down at a cafe in the morning and write for like an hour. Um, usually that'd be enough to, to get a whole chapter out. And then, um, yeah, it, after after a while, it kind of got to a point. I'm like, yeah, this is probably a good place to finish. And so then I spent like a month or two during COVID typing it up, and now it's just in the process of of getting it edited. I got an amazing editor. I believe she's from Connecticut. Um, I edited it myself for like three or four drafts, and then I'm like, you know what? Um, I want to just see what it's like with someone else's eyes on it. And so. I actually posted a gig for, for someone to edit my work and received like 130 or so applications. And that was that was a bit of a nightmare to go through because I'm hopeless with email. But um, I, I replied to every single one and, and found found a few that stood out. And so I'd send them samples and whatnot. And then because I've written it in a very distinct style, style um, something, again, something that I would like to read. And so it's not like your typical sort of novel that you would pick up and read. Um, and I'll, that was like one of my criteria is like, well, I could publish this myself almost right now because I'm, I'm very happy with it, but I want to make it really tight. So I want to see what this, what these editors think. And a few read it and were like, were basically like, Oh, you can't publish this style. I'm like, well, too bad. I'm publishing it like this. <laughs> and then, and then one, yeah, they're like, this is not traditional. I'm like, well, good. That's what I want. That's like, I specifically designed it to be like that. Um, and then, and then one, one like reply was like, wow, I love this. Like, and 
one could argue that, oh, yeah, you should take into account, like, the criticism. And I was like, nah, you know what? I, I like this. I would read this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, she replied back. She's like, wow, I love this style. Um, we can definitely keep it this way. I'll just help you make sure, like, there aren't any holes or whatnot. Uh, first time first time novelists often do these mistakes. And turns out she was completely right. I had I had uh, a bunch of things that, that, uh, that I'd miss and whatnot. But anyway, um, that should come out sometime towards the end of the year. It's been good, good fun. I can't wait to do the next one. <laughs> Dude, I cannot wait to read this book. And I'm so excited because you know what it is? It's your, your nonfiction stuff. Like you're writing a story often. It's like you with a girl, you meeting someone. I'm like, I, it's almost as if it's, it could be fiction. And so if it's anything like that, and even if it's not anything like that, I'm really excited just to, to check it out. And you brought up the, the, how you found an editor. And this was actually something mm. that, that stood out to me and was one of your lessons on your, your 27 lessons post that really stood out. And, and talk to me about just the importance of the follow-up. Oh, yes. So, um, so that, that the story from that came from, as I said, I, got, I put I put a job posting up. So I actually, because I'd never hired an editor before, I actually emailed Derek Sivers and I was like, "Hey, Derek, um, like, have you? Do you have any experience hiring editors?" Which he kind I knew he kind of did. Um, I'm I'm editing my book. Where should I Where should I look for an editor? And Derek, being Derek, got back to me and like under two days and said, Oh, Daniel, so cool to hear. You should go to EFA.org. It's, it's amazing. I've, I've used it to hire 60 plus editors for my different projects. I'm like, okay, sweet. Well, it's good enough for Derek. It's good enough for me. And then I went to EFA.org. So big shout out to Derek Sivers. Thank you, Derek. Um, I went to EFA.org. And so that's editorial freelance association. So it's basically like a marketplace. If, if I'm a writer and I, I need something edited, I can post this, this job posting and then editors from all over the world can say, hey, I'd like to edit your work. And so that's what I did. I kind of posted it and I described it what it was. I'm like, oh, we've got the book. It's called Charlie Walks. It's in this sort of style. It's, it's written. Charlie's this, this person at a tech company and he wants to be a writer and here's, here's how the, the story kind of flows. Um, and then there's a little part where it was like, how much do you want to pay? And th- they had their like default rates. It was like, whatever. And I, I kind of went to the, the higher end of the default rate. Cause I'm like, well, this is a project of, of, of love. I want to, and a plus I want to pay someone if they're going to do a good job. Um, and then it was like, uh, what qualifications does someone need for this? And I was like, well, I don't really care. Have you edited a novel before um tell me tell me what you did for that um and so because i i i posted that at about 10 p.m and then went to bed and i woke up the next morning and the first email that i read um was someone going like warning me that i was about to get a a barrage of emails (laughs) and they said because you listed that you don't need any credentials and i'm like oh well Okay, and then that person was 100% right. I just got more emails than I'd probably ever received in in the space of 24 hours. Um, And 
so I had all these people going like and they were really excited going hey I'd love to, to edit your book I read the I read the bio it sounds amazing here's my experience and they'd put all this they put this incredible amount of effort into to pitching their services to um, to help me out and so I'm like like I was getting a bit of anxiety going through all these emails because I'm like oh my gosh like I don't want to um, what if like I miss someone here and and whatever like who's going to be the right one so anyway I was just like this is simple I'll just break it down I'll I'll reply to 10 to 20 people a day just going hey um, thank you or no thank you or whatever so I started taking notes on on everyone who'd offered um, their services and the ones that stood out and then I kind of got like a short list of about 10 and then I asked them if they'd edit a sample and six of them said they would love to edit a sample and so I had six and then kind of the one that I don't know this this her name's Francis Francis was the one that stood out to me from the very start and like just from her initial email and I ended up picking her despite the the others the other six shortlists that were incredibly amazing um and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to, even though I'm, I've, I've shortlisted six, I'm going to reply to every single one and just be like, thank you for offering your services. I really appreciate it. Um, but I've decided to move forward with someone else. Because uh, even though it's saying no, I think that's, to me, that's better than just leaving them hanging kind of thing. I mean, if you've ever applied for a job in the past or applied for anything in the past um, and just being... Uh, not heard anything back. Well, it's kind of, I don't know you kind of feel pretty shit. So I figured, well, I don't want, if these people are offering to ha- help me, I don't want them feeling pretty shit that I didn't reply. And so even though I'm saying no, and the amazing thing was, was the replies I would get from the people who I said no to. Like I posted one example in the blog post of the importance of the follow-up. Um, and that was um, someone basically saying, you've made my day, even though, well, or this is the first time an author has replied to me and you've made my day, even though I was saying like, no, thank you for your services or thank you for your offer. I'm, I'm moving forward with someone else. And I'm like, wow. And that was, that was just like one of like a dozen replies that I got like thanking me, like just being elated at the fact that I replied. And so the follow-up has two aspects. It's like that, that, that one to just give someone an answer so they know because people, like we're human beings, we hate uncertainty. Like look at the, look at the times. The, the, right now, the, the biggest thing that is everyone's problem is that we're kind of uncertain in what, how the world is, is operating. But anyway, the second part to it is that um, on my behalf, because I was so slow getting back to these 130 or so applicants, um, the ones who followed up with me like two to three days later saying, hey, Daniel, did you get my application? I got, due to recency bias, I got back to them quicker. And so this goes for, um, like it's a note to myself, is that if if in the first case you don't get a reply, um, don't be afraid to just go, hey, you know what, I'm gonna, gonna ask again. Worst case scenario, so someone says no. So the second part, yeah. Follow up, you might uh you might get a response even though the first time you didn't get one, and then the first part is just letting someone know, hey, thank you for your offer. Um, they'll probably appreciate it. So that's what I learned from that. I love how you broke that down. 
And it's really so true. It's so easy to make someone's day by just replying back to them. And uh, when you're the one applying, it's so easy for your email or your message to get lost in the junk. And it doesn't hurt to send a second message. So kind of switching gears a little bit. Dude, you're a data scientist. So I couldn't not talk to you about what's going on in Neuralink. And you had a whole thread on this. <laughs> and you've probably spent yes. a lot more time than me thinking about this stuff. So break it down to me like I'm a, I don't know, like a 10-year-old. Like is Neuralink, could it actually do what, Could it? Is it actually possible what Elon Musk is proposing? Like put a chip in your brain that makes the world, makes you like, a million times smarter? Like, break this down for me. <laughs> well, I need to preface this that I'm I'm still figuring this this out um, myself, and I'm by no means like a uh, what's it called a neuroscientist expert or or computer hardware engineer. So there's a lot of a lot of different pieces to the puzzle with Neuralink. So you've got like the uh, the, the hardware engineering. So that's like the the materials, like the the device itself. That's one problem. Then you've got like the software engineering, which is how how a device would communicate uh, or interpret signals in the brain. And then what do you actually do once? So even if you can interpret those signals, like what do you actually do with them? Um, and then you've got, yeah, the neuroscience part, which is, okay, so we, we can develop this piece of hardware that can read electrical signals, which is basically what the brain is, is spewing out. Well, at least as far as we know so far. Um, what does that actually mean? So if if we put it in this certain region of the brain and we insert a, a thousand electrodes um, and they go into different regions, do we know what this electrode 187 is doing? Uh, is that different to what electrode 720 is doing? Um, so there's a lot of like I think Elon in the in the recent update said they've got like a thousand people maybe or hundred I don't know it was a number it was a one zero zero something. I can't remember if it's a hundred or a thousand people, but he said like by the time it's it's to where they're sort of talking about the things that you kind of see in the media, like the hyped up stuff of like making making uh making you a thousand times smarter, uh, making you be able to replay all your memories as if they're a movie. Like then that you're needing an enterprise then of like fifty thousand people. Um, so he said, yeah, it's a couple of orders of magnitude increase in the, the number of staff that they have. But, but the, the goal here is how I understand it, and this is very primitive, this is only me watching and reading about it, is you have this device, insert, it replaces a piece of your skull. Uh, at the moment, there's a thousand or so electrodes. Those electrodes insert into your brain. Um, and they're able to pick up the electrical signals that your brain uses to communicate uh, to itself. So if I have a thought and that gets read by a traditional brain scan, it might look like uh, electricity jumping through a bunch of wires. Um, and so the, how I understand it is those electrodes intercept that signal that passes between different neurons and then... So it reads that signal and then you take that signal and there's a bunch of very smart software engineers who are going to, to collect those signals over time so that they have a database of go, okay, for the last 24 hours, I know that in this region of the brain, 
you were thinking like there, or here's the signals that we've measured. Let's see if we can find patterns in those signals. And so one of the demonstrations that they had was they'd, they'd implanted the actual Neuralink device into a pig, um, into its motor cortex, which is what controls your movement. Um, and so they had this pig walking on a treadmill. And they had one graph which would show, which had four lines on it. And for each line was one limb of the pig. So you could have a blue line for the left leg, a green line for the red leg, uh, sorry, a green line for the front right leg, uh, red, yellow leg, etc. And so these lines were moving along this graph up and down. And so there was one dot on each of the lines, a circle dot, which was the actual movement of the leg. So it was tracking up and down as the pig walked along the treadmill. And then you had a triangle, which was follow like, so four triangles, one for each of the legs, which was the prediction of where the Neuralink software thought that the leg position would be. Um, so it's kind of hard to, to describe this without like a, a graph, but um, so this pig's walking along the treadmill and the Neuralink device is trying to predict where each of its legs is going to be but because of course they can see the pig they know where the legs are going to be so what the demonstration was was comparing Neuralink's predictions to where the legs were based Mm -hmm. purely off the electrical signals that it was reading from the pig's brain versus the actual leg position uh, that the pig had like based off a camera feed or something like that and, and what guess. was really like like incredible was like how close it was to predicting where like the pig's limbs would be. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine like the cir- the circles are the actual position and the triangles are the predicted position, the triangles were like half cut off by the circle because they would fit into each other. Wow. Um, and so this is just on a graph displaying as the pig's actually walking. And so that's, of course, that's like, that's like level one compared to, to, to being a thousand times smarter and connecting to the internet and whatnot. But this is, this is just kind of like a proof of concept where, mm-hmm. well, at least in my eyes, where it's like, well, hey, we've got this, this device physically working. And of course, scaling up is going to be an incredibly hard challenge. Um, but what excites me a lot about it is so my, my dad has Parkinson's, um, dementia and Alzheimer's. And so um, a lot of these like cognitive diseases are basically from misfiring signals in the brain. So if you imagine if they're at Neuralink are at level one right now where they can predict the limb positioning of, of a pig um, based off the electrical signals in its motor cortex, um, there's a lot of other things that you can sort of uh, pick up in the motor cortex and potentially, so that was, sorry, there's two big points here. That was Neuralink reading the electrical signals. What's going to be more exciting is when it, when it's able to write electrical signals. So, um, you could imagine if it's picking up those signals and it starts to get an idea of what's happening. Um, again, this is where my knowledge of, of how neuroscience and Neuralink in general works but the idea is, imagine if you could, um, so, okay, you know how the signals work when you're reading them. Imagine if you could put an input into Neuralink and it could write those signals to your brain and so that you 
you get the feeling that your, say, front right leg is in the position that it should be, but you didn't actually have those thoughts. That was like Neuralink doing it for you. Um, oh my so God. again, I may be wording, wording this incorrectly, but the big emphasis, uh, emphasis that Elon had was the ability to, to not only read our electrical signals in the brain, but to write them. And so that's where the really exciting point comes, uh, like for the future, is for, for people with cognitive ailments, um, such as one of the big ones they talked about in the recent release was was blindness. Um, so again, there's a pretty clear, I, from, from what they said, apparently there's a pretty clear disconnect from those who experience some sort of vision blur um, with, with electrical signals, but we just don't have the ability to, to mend those properly yet. But that's something that Neuralink may be able to um, to target is to, like I'm thinking of it like in a very like five-year-old way of thinking of it is like the wire between your eyes and your visual cortex has been like smushed or something like that. Neuralink comes in and basically mends that wire. Hmm. Um, maybe completely wrong, but <laughs> that's that's kind of what I'm picking up in terms of uh, uh, the explain it like I'm five terminology. <laughs> but uh, again, don't quote me on that. <laughs> Dude, well, it's scary and it's crazy. And what it probably feels like is what people felt like when the internet was getting introduced in like the 1970s, 1980s, where you have some people being like, no, you don't get it. The potential is real. And other people being like, there's no way he could actually make that happen. or That's not possible. And yeah, don't you know what I mean? Elon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's rule number one, right? Yeah, you'll go. <laughs> Have you seen that guy? Actually, um, this is a tangent, but uh, there's like a there's a there's another electric like car company that's like a competitor, and it's called um, what's it called Nikola. <laughs> so, like Nikola Tesla, they like called themselves oh, wow. Nikola, and uh, like there's this guy who's he, he, dude. I, I really hope that like he pulls off what he's saying, but basically. Like there's heaps of videos of like him announcing all these like cool things, but they haven't built a single vehicle yet. And so he's saying things like, I think I'm the only guy on the planet who can out Elon Elon. We got this new uh, electric vehicle truck that's just going to decimate the market and all this sort of stuff, but they haven't built a single <laughs> Wait, single car yet. That's real and it's not a parody? That sounds like a, a joke. No, dude, that's that's like legit. Like he's saying like that and I'm sort of watching this going, whoa, this is – um. I was thinking the exact same thing as you. Like, is this is this a G up? But no, it's it's full blown legit. Like, their company's listed on the stock market, um, and they haven't. But this is, I don't know. Maybe it could be a complete uh, a complete scam. But I actually hope that he delivers on what he says because he's saying good things. <laughs> so, like, part of me is like, oh, I can't wait for this dude to go to jail. But the other part of me is like. Um, well, because he's he's committing fraud basically because he's saying all these things. The stock price is going up to I think it's like thirty thousand US dollars. It's actually ridiculous. Um, and here's another caveat: like a couple of months ago, he cashed out seventy million of 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 the stock and bought like this massive mansion. So what kind of founders doing that before you even delivered a product? Um, anyway, tangent. But uh, yeah, the other half of me is like, um, well, I hope. 
because all this stuff that you're promising sounds dope. So I hope that you are you deliver on that. <laughs> yeah, man, that's crazy. I, I've never heard of that before or that dude. So definitely gonna have yeah, to if research you look up that. Nicola, Nicola, um, just the car company, and watch like there's a video on YouTube, and I think it's like a compilation of just like all the things that he said, and it's just. It's just like, whoa, this guy it sounds like he's he's getting people to join a cult. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that Tesla sometimes seems that way to people as well, where Elon's creating like his own cult or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. It could um I mean, I read a, a really great article the other day about um how um so a lot of innovation, the credit goes to the person who thought who thought of like the idea or, or created it, but um a lot, but not as much goes to like the person who who sold the idea, like the huckster, like the the salesman who who basically got people excited. Um, and so so there was an argument in there that um, Christianity wouldn't be anything like Jesus. Jesus would have been nothing without Saint Paul, because Saint Paul was the one who was like spreading the word. Um, and then then uh, or like Apple would have been nothing. Like so, Steve Jobs was like the showman, but Wozniak was the the tech guy. Um, but Elon's in this is kind of space where he's both at the same time. Wow! Like he's the he's he's the hardcore engineer as well as like the 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 like the front guy, like the, the huckster. Who's, who's, yeah, the huckster, the one who's like getting people excited. Because I think about that too. Is like yeah, it's like yeah, you need you need almost if you're doing something that sounds outlandish, you do need someone to to be that like that person who's selling it because it's otherwise people aren't going to get excited about it you need if you're if you're building something like like tesla which is changing the entire paradigm of how vehicles or just energy it's well their their end game is not vehicles it's energy which is which is bigger than vehicles um if you're changing the entire paradigm of how society gets energy you need to to have a lot of momentum behind you so that's where the the huckster comes in same thing with Neuralink. like if you're changing how people think like at a like chemical level, um, I mean, a lot of things do that. But is it like this is like an actual piece of hardware external from the body inserted into your body? Like that's going to need a lot of uh, a lot of huckstering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what's so interesting is like I'll I look at your content honestly. Like I went on your YouTube page when I first found you. And I immediately see this high energy dude, but then I also see you're like deep into machine learning. So when I think of you, I actually think of someone who has both of those elements of, of the salesman and also the what, the coder part of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I've kind of self-reflected that in myself too. Like I like, mm-hmm. like my, my default is probably heavily extrovert. So I, I find like talking on video or being in front of a crowd, like I find I'm very comfortable in those kind of situations, but I, I find the balance I need to like, I recharge by, by being a nerd basically by being like just deep in code or writing for four to six hours straight at a time. Um, and by the end of that, it's like, well, I need to, that's kind of what, what where I found my balance. I think when I was learning, it was like, well, I, I do the study and then it's like, well, Jesus, I need to, I need to talk to someone before I go crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, because a lot of my friends didn't know what machine learning was and still kind of don't. So I'm like, well, I can't talk to them. So I need to, need to put something out there. And so that's kind of, I think where I found the balance of, um, 
of the extrovert introvert time was when you're on mine or YouTube or whatever, you kind of you kind of dial it up a bit, you put on a show and whatever, you get people excited and then and then when it comes to 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 writing or, or being a nerd, you you're just sitting in front of a keyboard for a for a while being very quiet. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an unfair advantage in a lot of senses because it was it's actually something that I was so I was living in San Diego and and this neighbor one of my neighbors came up to me one day and she's like you know, I see you. I see you interacting with like our neighbors and I see you reading books. Like you're, it's really interesting how you're doing both of these things that, you know, like you're, you're extrovert and you're introverted. So what I'm trying to say is that I relate so hard to that. And, and I think that it's not even something that I tried to cultivate, but it's just something that I'm so blessed to have, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, 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 well, it's, it's yeah. You can't even explain it. It's just your 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 nature. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would get heaps of comments on my videos and whatnot saying, um, like your energy is contagious, and I can't believe your energy. And it's like, oh my gosh, you have so much energy. And and like I was just doing what I would usually do. Yeah. Like fair enough. Sometimes <laughs> like like you you are like I'm in front of the camera and I am just like turning it up. Like I see right. it as a, it's. It's a, uh, it's you can turn it. I, I see it as a tool, like you're putting on, uh, like a performance, basically. And I was just like, wow, I, I didn't really notice that in myself, but um, it got to a point where it was becoming such a, such a thing that I'd notice these comments. I'd be like, oh wow, okay, maybe, maybe my energy levels are different to to the people who are watching. Because I was kind of thinking this, like, well, I'm posting these as if, as if. Uh, I want an audience who are kind of people who think like me, like or or act like me. So I'm I'm like I'm thinking that I'm posting videos that people like me are going to watch, and they do. There are people like me in some sense that watch it, but of course, the sort of the narrow mindedness in me was that forgot. Okay, they do have some interest in you, but not everything is the exact same. And so that's when I realized, like, oh, okay, maybe this uh this energy thing is uh is for lack of a better word a talent of mine um and so that's another thing another point like me and me and my friend were having a conversation the other day is you often don't notice like when you're in the situation you don't notice uh things that people from outside the situation notice so the classic scenario is is like when when your mate's like dating a, a in a terrible relationship and you're like dude like you're 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 wrecking it or like your, your life's just a, a tragedy right now because you're always, always upset. You're always fighting. And he's like, no, nah, man, she's a good girl. Like she's, she's great. Like we'll figure things out. And then, and then like six months later when they eventually break up, he goes, whoa, yeah, she, she wasn't really a good girl. <laughs> and then you're like, well, I told you so. It's because you, you were outside the situation um, and they were in the situation inside the circle so they couldn't see what was going on. It was only the, like the, the third eye perspective that could go, well, you know what? Here's what I see. You're immune to everything because you've got – like this is your life. I'm looking at it as an outsider. Um, so- Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what's so crazy is that literally today I have a tweet scheduled that says like state the obvious. Your friend needs to hear it. 
<laughs> just like exactly what you're talking about. And it's true. Like even someone who's self-aware and I consider myself self-aware and you seem like a pretty self-aware dude. Even someone who's self-aware isn't going to notice everything that you notice as an outside observer. So it's really so true. And and sometimes just telling your friend in like a kind way, this is what I think about your life or whatever, like can go a long way in helping them with whatever they're doing. Yeah, like I, me and me and my uh, me and my best mate, we we would often like when we were younger. I think we would we would clash a lot and like have have like just fights basically because um, we would do that to each other. And we thought it was a personal attack, as in like, hey, bro, I'm noticing this. And one of us or me or him would react as if like, oh, well, you're, you're saying that because you think you're better than me or something like that. When in reality, it was coming from a place of, of kind heartedness. And I think mm-hmm. it's only the last, I would uh, even even now, actually, I would say I'm still practicing getting better at it. Like when someone actually goes, hey, Daniel, I think you could... Uh, you could whatever whether it's a piece of work or whether it's actions i think you could improve here there's still i'm still figuring it out like there's still something in me like my knee jerk reaction is to go well fuck you basically like you're having a go at me but then it's only like once i process it for a bit it's like oh no this person is not like attacking me they're trying to to help me be better mm-hmm. um so i'm 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 probably like I'm probably still working through that. Like I still have like a knee jerk reaction when someone offers offers like improvement feedback or whatever. It's like, oh well, fuck. I I could have figured that out myself and just done it myself. It's like, who are you to tell me what to do? But no, I know it's uh, it's um, hmm. I would say yeah. Part of it's self awareness, and then part of it is yeah. I don't know. Just not taking yourself so seriously is uh. That's that's actually probably one of my big missions at the moment. <laughs> that's a lifelong mission. So, yeah, I mean, my question then becomes like, how do you get better at not taking yourself seriously? Especially when you're someone like we both are, someone who wants to achieve things and someone who's disciplined, right? It's like we can get the tendency to, to get narrow-minded and focused on, on our thing and be like the world revolves around this. So how are you practicing ways of, of not taking yourself so seriously? Um, I think it's, hmm, I like to do like writing, like thought experiments, like, or creating space from, from whatever it was that I was doing. So a simple real one is like whenever I'm like stuck deep behind a screen or like getting deep into a problem and I finished a, a large block of work like i'll just go for a walk in nature for an an unknown amount of time just and just just notice i'll be like walking around be like watch the so i live close to the water i'll watch the waves watch the trees and just realize just like what i was whatever i was just working on like none of this stuff gives a crap like it's it's still here like this is this is just it just keeps going um so like all those like perils and whatever that I thought like, oh, I can work out this coding problem or um, like my students are having problems understanding the, the teachings that I've been given. It's just like, well, yes, you can handle those. But then as soon as you, you disconnect from the space, it's like, well, 
they're, I don't want to say cease to exist, but they sort of, they leave your mind for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one is like when I'm, when I'm writing is, is kind of just to like, I'll be the one who's giving myself feedback and going, Oh, um, Daniel, you said you were going to do this, but it's really like, I can't wait till like eventually when I do pass and like my, all my pub private journals get published is like, people are going to read them and be like, Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> um, Maybe maybe that's when all my bestsellers will come out. Is when uh is when uh, when when my private journals go live. It's like it's kind of like just having a conversation with uh with myself. Is 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 like um you said you were going to do this, you did this, and then and then I'll keep going like down and down, and until eventually it gets to a point where it's like, well, I'll realize that once it's once those thoughts are in are in like the physical world or in are in in, in letter form, in word form, I'll realize it's like, well, hold on. You know, you know, I'll just start smiling and be like, wow, look at all of this. Look at all this concern and for what? Mm-hmm. And then I'll just remember it's just like, it's just time to have fun. I'll start dancing around or whatever and, and just, just laugh. Like it's, 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 I I'm trying to, I'm having a hard time putting it into words because I think it's, um, it's, uh, a lot of these practices that sort of like people, people offer in terms of like do this do that they're very um like I'm, I'm a big fan of directives like from someone you trust but at the same time i'm a big fan of like figuring out what what practices work best for you so if i like mm-hmm. say like what 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 i do and whatnot of course I, I i understand the value of like hearing um hearing what someone does but uh, like one of my favorite posts that i did over that 528 days was um copy others and until you create your own style. I and love so that's that. that's that's kind of kind of what I feel like I've done and I I'm saying this as if like my style is perfect or whatnot, but I think it's perfect for me at the moment. Is that um like I basically just try to have fun, remind myself to to have fun with whatever whatever it is that I'm doing. And it's a very simple simple principle it's cliche as hell but it's it's uh i mean it works the cliches work that's why they're cliches mm-hmm. um and so yeah the writing to myself thing is just like like having a, a group discussion with myself and just going here's what i'm thinking uh here's what 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 i've got to do here's what uh here's here's the counter argument to that and then i realize okay well all these these problems that I thought I was having, in reality, aren't that that great. Um, and then the the last one, actually, I got this. I was reading reading through your blog post the other day, and um, the I read through your your meditation like summaries challenge. Um, how you did sixty minutes every day for sixty days, and the one that stood out to me the most was just the the one where you you kind of lost all aspect of time. And that's when I I realized I feel most alive when I forget that I'm alive. Um, if that kind of makes sense, but I'll unpack it. It's it's as in it's as in when I forget that I'm alive. It's because I'm completely submersed in whatever it is that I'm doing. And like it's like it's counterintuitive, but you like kind of forget that you're you're like living. It's just like you're just. When when you're in the like flow state or whatever it is, just completely in the moment, you kind of it feels like you've just 
slipped into the 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 energy wave of the entire universe and you're just you're just a part of it but when you're outside of that well then that's when that's when the sort of the perils of life really start to penetrate your brain <laughs> i love what you said about nature and how like nature humbles you because i think it's so true yeah. and, all, and also thank you for for reading my work and i really appreciate it and it's uh it's crazy because like you, I just expect everything to get zero views and I have no expectation for anyone to read anything I write. And then, you know, when when someone you respect and look up to is like, yeah, I, I read your work. It, it means a lot to me. So thank you for that. And yeah, man, what you're talking about is like what's happened in this conversation for me, right? It's like you forget that this is a conversation. You forget what we're doing here and we get lost in the moment. And that's such a beautiful thing. And you can't really even take yourself seriously when you're just getting lost in that moment. So it's beautiful. Man. Yeah, that's beautiful. It. It's a laughing skull. <laughs> that's so, where we all end up. A yeah, laughing man. skull. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's a perfect place to wrap this baby up. Give everyone who's listening, tell them where they could find you. And dude, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, man, this has been this has been great fun. Um, best place to find me is at my website, mrdburke.com, M-R-D-B-O-U-R-K-E.com. Or um, if you Google my name, I've got enough content and crap out there that the search engines seem to like me. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, I also I've, – I've said in this episode that I'm pretty poor at getting back with emails, but – I do eventually get back to them all. So Daniel at MrDburke.com is my my email address. You can uh, reach out to me, say hello to me. I live in Brisbane, Australia. So if you want to hear about what it's like down under, let me know. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Dude, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time and giving your wisdom, brother. It's It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Danny. Really appreciate it, brother. Let's do this again. That was my conversation with Daniel Bork. And if you enjoyed this episode, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. I appreciate you so, so much. And I'll see you guys in the next one.